0: is power
1: and the idea is that although you have this plan or you prepare your heart god guides what comes out of your heart Because you guys know the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the idea is that you have a responsibility to plan and prepare, but now God wants to guide you into what his plans and purposes are. Now, here's the thing. If you know where you're going, have you actually invited God to guide you on that plan?
0: We have free will in how we live our lives. God doesn't control every decision and detail of our days. Instead, he allows us to make plans and choose directions. Of course, we want to have him involved in the process. Pastor Daniel will challenge us to look at our plans today and find the areas we haven't invited God to be a part of yet. God can and will help us make better and more fruitful decisions if we allow him to speak into them. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Proverbs chapter 16 with part one of his message, Both Sides of the coin.
1: we all know this idea that there's two sides to a coin, that there's really both sides. And it really speaks to us in the way that I've often heard it said that every point of view is a view from a point. What that means is that every perspective comes from standing in a certain place. Now, that is not to say that because every point of view is a view from a point that there's no actually objective point of view. And I have to say that in this day and age, of course, because this is a Christian church, we believe the Bible. So God's point of view is the objective point of view, right? And all of our ideas are subjective based on what point of view we're looking at. It So I need to say that up front or else someone thinks, oh, well, every point of view is a view from a point. And so we really don't believe the Bible and none of that. That's not what I'm saying. But it is interesting. And this happened to me just recently. I was talking. So I'm 42 years old. Can I get a round of applause? Yeah, that's right. So I'm a middle-aged pastor, I'm loving that. But I've been in the ministry long enough now that there's people who I've poured in my life into who are now lead pastors. So I started being a, I started pastoring in churches when I was 22 as an assistant pastor, and I became a lead pastor at 24. So So I have 18 years of being a lead pastor. And so a number of months, praise God, you guys are so encouraging. A number of months back, a young man who I met him, I was in the Bay Area. in uh, I was pastoring in in Mill Valley, California, just over the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco. And at the time, uh, the Southern Baptists had one of their Golden Gate Seminary, Northern California campus was there. And so I had all these young seminarians who were all part of the church, which was great because when it's a church plan, obviously it's like, we're planning the church, Lynn and I and a couple other folks and everyone's got jobs and so it's just like a volunteer army. And so all these young seminarians are there. I'm like, great, I love the seminary kids. They want to serve the Lord. They love Jesus. This is going to be great. And so, but there was this one guy and he was so uniquely gifted, right? But he was also a unique total pain in my rump. You know what I mean? Like he was just so smart and he was so gifted. And at the same time, in his 19 year old point of view in seminars, 20 or whatever it was, it's like, he knew everything how it was supposed to go. Cause he just read it in a book and learned it in class. Right. And so he was kind of a total pain, but I love the guy. And, and I remember to be like, why do you put up with him? I'm like, well, listen, God's doing a work in him and he's young. He's going to be great. So fast forward. Now he's a lead pastor. And so we spent some time together about three months ago. And he said to me, he's like, Daniel, can I say something to you? I'm like, man, you've never held back before. I don't know what the problem is now, you know? And he's like, actually, that's what it is. He's like, you know, now that I've been a senior pastor for two years, I'm super sorry. I'm like, you're sorry? And he's like, yeah, he's like, now being in the role that you're in, I realize that people like me are a total pain in the butt. And I started laughing. But it reminded me that like, Of this idea that there's two sides to every coin. There's a side of that you see it from and then there's a side that maybe someone else in a different place sees it from. Now that plays out all the time when you think about parents and kids, bosses and employees. You know, you have all these different variables where people are seeing things from different angles. And they're both seeing the same thing, but they're seeing two different sets of things. And I think in this day and age, we live in such a confrontational culture that we've lost the art of being able to understand someone else's point of view on the exact same situation. And the thing is, is it's one coin, but the two sides have distinct characteristics to it. Does that make sense? And so in some ways, as followers of Jesus, we want to learn how to be able to not only say this is what I see, but also give room for other people to see other things, and then ultimately to weigh all the perspectives against the Bible. So like you even look at some of the big struggles that we're facing as a world today. So much of the fighting about it is actually people are looking at different sides of the coin, and they're saying, oh, but what about this thing? And they're like, yeah, well forget about, what about this thing? And they're missing each other, looking at different sides of the coin. And so, in a lot of ways, this is why I think the Bible is so important. I already alluded to, I didn't. I actually went right out and said it, is that there's a view that each one of us has to the world that we live in. There's this life that and the experiences that you're having and the things that you want. But then there's another vantage point. And that's God's vantage point. It's what the creator and the sustainer the almighty one sees and what god is asking each one of us to do is to receive god's perspective from his word not from a pastor but from the book right at best a good pastor just faithfully explains what's in the book right and so you take the book and then you allow god's vantage point to become now one of the drivers in your life here at crossroads we call this simply responding to jesus Right, if you've been here at all, we always talk about we're simply responding to Jesus. That's just not like our mission statement. That's like our mission for life. Can you and I allow God to say, this is what I see, and now we respond in the ways that we act? But you have to realize is that for each one of us, and I want to speak specifically to those of you who've been in Christ for a while. You're a follower of Jesus, and you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, Sometimes we're so used to being followers of Jesus that we forget that sometimes our vantage point isn't as biblical as we think it is. Like we're so used to being in church and we're so, this is what I see and I see it because I know Jesus. I know that this is right, that we lose the humility to say, you know what, maybe I got some blind spots, right? So we want to constantly be asking the Lord, Lord, will you give me a teachable spirit? It was funny. Me and my bride Lynn were just talking about this. You know, our men's and our women's ministry, they just completed their kind of ministry term. And we were talking about the study. And Lynn was like, man, the study that we did in women's was so strong. You know, and then we started talking about the fact that, you know what? If you have a teachable spirit, everything that opens the Bible can blow your mind. But what happens if you've been following Jesus long enough? Like, well, I don't really know if I like that teacher. Or I've been hearing that for so long that it doesn't speak to me anymore. And it's like, well, no, hold on. if if God can speak to a prophet through a donkey, then like, we're gonna be fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the worst Bible teaching in the world, if it's teaching the Bible, can blow your mind if you have a heart that's just wide open. Say, Lord, I want you to speak. And this reminds me, of course, of Charles Spurgeon, who is well known as, they call him the prince of English preachers. He started a church in England when he was 19 years old. It was one of the first like mega churches. Was, the church was huge. And then someone asked him, Well, how'd you come to know Jesus? And he tells this crazy story about how he was going on out to a church, but the pastor who was supposed to preach there was a snowstorm. And so he couldn't get there. And this was they were on, like on horses and buggies and stuff, you know. So he couldn't get there. So one of the deacons. Like the highest level person who actually could make it to the service was there. And the guy was fumbling over a text because he wasn't prepared to preach. And the text was, as I am the Lord, there is no other, and I'm your savior. And then he said, the guy said for 30 minutes, the guy just kept quoting the verse and would say something and quote the verse and say something. Nothing deep, nothing exciting, not charismatic at all. And Spurgeon gets radically saved who goes on to be one of the most beloved, well-read preachers who ever lived, right? So it's such a reminder to us that we always need to say, Lord, will you help unveil my eyes that I might have a teachable heart, a teachable spirit, Lord, that I might be the kind of person that anybody, anybody, if they're sharing God's word, has the ability to impact my life. And this is our ability to be able to say, I'm going to explore the other side of the coin than what I would normally look at. Because the side of the coin, the perspective that you have is well-worn, isn't it? Like, it's comfortable. Like, you have that perspective. And so the idea here, and I'm not saying that you should look at every side of the coin on everything, but we should have the ability, knowing what we know in the Bible, to be able to look at the other side, because it's still the coin. It's not a different coin. It's the coin. Are we willing to be learners always or have we shut our hearts down saying well that's not good enough. I don't like that. And that right there we're going to get into a little bit what that does so in order to unpack the both sides of the coin I want you to open up in your bible to so the book of Proverbs chapter 16 Proverbs 16 we're gonna be taking verses one to nine. So Proverbs 16, verses one to nine. Of course, if you have a smart device and you're anti-paper, you can pull that thing out and type in Proverbs 16, one to nine. You know, the Bible's called the sword. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so back in the day, you wouldn't leave without your sword, right? It's like you needed that thing for protection. And so your Bible's your sword. You know, it's funny in a, I don't wanna get off on a tangent. I'll leave that comment to another day. But I have a feeling that today might be beautifully tangential. (laughs) Open up to the book of Proverbs. It's easy to find the book of Proverbs because you got the book of Psalms. It's the single largest book in your Bible. You turn right to your right, there's the book of Proverbs. I keep encouraging everybody every time I share. The book of Proverbs is great. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. If you read one chapter in Proverbs every single day, 12 months a year, you're going to be more wise than when you started. Straight up. Right? So if there's only 28 days, you only read 28 chapters of Proverbs. every day on the first day, read the first chapter. Listen, if you do it for a year, you'll be way wiser. Because the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. So of course, chapter 16, it's not the 16th day of the month, but you guys understand how this goes. Okay. So check this out. It starts this way. Proverbs 16, verse 1. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Now, these first three little sayings, they remind us that we need to learn how to honor both sides. You need to honor both sides because in each one of these, we find both sides of the coin as it relates to what we could commonly call God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. The fact that you have a responsibility and then God has something that God is working. So we need to learn how to honor both sides because at every moment of our lives, both sides are at play. Now, I think this is important because if there is a battleground in Christianity, historically, it's this, where do we land on God's sovereignty and man's responsibility? Right. And I must, as a pastor, I've been asked this a million times. Well, how does what I'm responsible for and what God is responsible? How do they play together? And I already talked about Charles Spurgeon and Spurgeon, when they asked him about how does he reconcile God's sovereignty and man's responsibility? Spurgeon said, I never try and reconcile friends. Friends don't need to be reconciled. So we live in a day and age where people want to choose a side, but really God is God and we are not God and you have a responsibility for your life and God has something that he's trying to do and that is working in tandem. Now, I like to use the example that if God and man are dance partners, God is actually the one who leads, right? That's the key. But God in his sovereignty allows all of us to make choices. Now, if we're going to honor both sides, notice this first one. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now, that idea of the preparations of the heart can also be the plans of the heart. What this means is this, is only you have the responsibility to plan out what you want your life to be. No one does that for you. You do that yourself. Now, maybe somebody like a parent or a loved one has imposed their plans, but you've still chosen it for yourself, right? That's your responsibility. So on one side, each one of us needs to make sure that we are preparing our heart. That belongs to you. That's your responsibility. Now, you got to ask yourself, what kind of plan do you have for your heart? Even if you have a unintentional plan for what your life is going to look like, that's still an intentional plan. So what's the plan? What are you trying to accomplish? See, if you don't know where you're going, any destination will do, but I think all of us have an idea. This is where I want to go. Have you made those decisions? You are making those decisions, but are you thinking about where it lands? Where does this thing end up? It's such an important thing because that belongs to you, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And the idea is that although you have this plan or you prepare your heart, God guides what comes out of your heart. Because you guys know the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the idea is that you have a responsibility to plan and prepare, but now God wants to guide you into what his plans and purposes are. Now, here's the thing, if you know where you're going, have you actually invited God to guide you on that plan? Or do you have a plan and you're hoping to get God on board? That's the American way, you know that, right? The American way is I got a plan and God, come on, God, come on, we're gonna get there, Lord. And that's not what this is talking about. This is saying before, I have this plan and I say, Lord, will you guide what the plans of my life is? I'm gonna be super honest with you. I stand here today not because it was my plan. I would never have chosen half the stuff that I'm involved in. Left up to my own devices. Literally, a long life's way, and I praise God for this, a long life's way, I finally said, Lord, what's your plan for my life? I was on a trajectory to be, I mean, I was a, I was a professional bass player, and I, and I kind of had my idea, I'm like, I'm going to be this famous bass player. I just wanted all these pictures of me in, in musician magazines, like with an upright bass over one, holding out an electric bass, like, what's up, you know? like That was like my dream, you know? Was like that was my it's gonna be my life, and I'll never forget. a long way, I said, "Lord, what's your plan for my life?" And then all of a sudden, God's like, "Oh yeah, I got this other plan." Now again, God doesn't tell you everything, but when was the last time you allowed God to guide? That the answer of your tongue is from the Lord, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, this becomes even more unpacked if we're honoring. Man's responsibility, your responsibility for your life and God's plan for your life. Look at verse two. It says all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. What that means is that for each one of us, we have the tendency to give us the benefit of the doubt that we are always right. We know what we're doing. We know what you're supposed to do with your life, right? And my way is the right way, right? That's the default human condition. But, notice that but, verse 2? That contract. Here's the other side of the coin. But, the Lord weighs the spirits. See, now the idea of the Lord weighing the spirit, it literally speaks to the fact that not only does God understand your way, but he understands the motivations behind the way that you're taking. It's not just about the actions. The way is the actions, but it's now the motivation behind what you're doing. Now that, my friends, is very important because what we often find is you can do the right thing with the wrong motivation. Sometimes people do the wrong thing with the right motivation. So the idea is that God knows the layer behind what everybody sees. God is dealing with the intents of the heart. Oftentimes we're just grappling with the externals. When was the last time when somebody did something wrong, you thought to yourself, maybe they had the right motivation and they just fumbled the ball. It's kind of a convicting thing to hear, isn't it? Because most of us, we never do that, right? Everyone's always got the worst possible intentions. Never thinking that maybe they're actually trying to do the right thing. They're just kind of not good at it. So each one of us, we realize that the way that you're taking seems to be the right way because you're taking it. Now listen, if you're the kind of person right now where the way that you're taking you knows the wrong way, will you stop going that way? Like if you know like this is not good, this is not end well, then stop that, And if you can't stop it on your own, then you're just to invite other people into it. You should confess it to people. Say, listen, I'm doing these things. And if I keep going down this road, this lands in a bad spot. Because listen, the struggle that you're having, it gets more power when you keep it hidden in the darkness, my friends. But when you bring it into the light and you bring people into it, you bring godly people into it, start praying for you, now all of a sudden, this thing that's been so hard, now all of a sudden it starts to take on, you start to grow out of it. You start, oh, I, don't, I don't have to tell them I did that again. Or they're looking out for me and they're helping me out. But the key here is that sometimes we can be so right we're wrong. Sometimes in our minds, our way is so pure, but we forget that we don't even understand our motivation sometimes. But God understands it. God weighs the spirits. And of course, in verse three, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. So verse three kind of brings all this together. Why? The idea of committing your works to the Lord. The Hebrew word here literally means to roll your works upon the Lord. It's almost as if you can't carry it, so you roll them onto the Lord because his shoulders are so broad that he can carry it. You commit your works to the Lord, and then it says he will establish your thoughts. And of course, out of the abundance of the heart, the way that you think, then your mouth starts speaking. And so the idea for us is that we need to honor both sides, but ultimately you and I need to learn how to surrender ourselves to the Lord. That's what it means to roll your works. You surrender yourself. Now, for many of us here... You're hearing this and you're like, well, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible calls that being born again, being born anew in the spirit because of your faith in Jesus. But guess what? Once you are born again, you have to continue to let the Lord carry and receive and carry you through this life. Because what happens is oftentimes our spirituality, our faith in Jesus can be just translational where it's like, I was like this and then I get saved and I'm still just like this, but now I'm a Christian version of it. Right? Like was like I was really angry and confrontational. Now I'm a Christian and I'm so angry and confrontational, but I call myself prophetic. Right? But it's like, no, no, you were angry and confrontational. Now you're still angry and confrontational, but now you have the Jesus veneer around it. Right? So maybe you're like super judgmental, right? And then you get saved, and you're like, You know, you're a Christian, but you're still super judgmental. And so really, you know, you're like, well, you know, I believe in the holiness of God. So we have all these ways that we justify it, but it's really, we just translated our personality from here to here. But what the Lord wants for all of us is for us to continue to learn how to say, Lord, I'm going to commit, I'm going to roll my works onto you that you can establish my way so that my life can be truly transformed by Jesus. Not just I'm the same person, but now I get to heaven when I die. But God's like, I want to transform you that you might have the same characteristics, but all of them would be oriented for my glory. So if you're born again, don't think that, well, I already did that. No, are you doing it today? Are you denying yourself, as Jesus would say, and taking up your cross? Anyone know the next word? Daily. Boom, someone just passed out at crossroads. You got to deny yourself and think of your girls daily and follow him. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, guess what? Guess what? Until you put your faith and trust in Jesus and that's rolling your works upon him, until then, you're establishing of your mind and your thoughts and your life you might have good moments maybe you're like go to a seminar or you read a book or you watch a little YouTube or a TED talk and you get inspired for a moment but God's not interested in just some little tweaks in life He wants true transformation in your life and that transformation can only happen when God places His Holy Spirit within you Jesus is
0: There's always two sides to every situation. And today, Pastor Daniel approached both with a different perspective, that of God's. He challenged us to seek God's opinion on all the topics we encounter by searching the scripture, being open to hearing his voice. This applies to the broader aspect of our life plans as well. While we do have freedom of choice in our lives, we need to begin by surrendering ourselves to God daily.
1: Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry
0: of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel reminds us just how stubborn we can be. Our pride has us trying to juggle a million details, God's waiting for us to hand them over. We claim we have it, but as the pieces fall around us, we find we should have asked for help in the first place. As you listen to the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio, let God step into the details of your life and help you carry the burdens. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Vice Versa. Until then, may God bless.